Ramona Shelburne, the baby is asleep, and she is ready to join us <laughs> ahead of a big Mother's Day with three game seven. This is your Thank first you. Mother's Day. It is. Yeah, first one. Oh, first con- I was like, I was like, you know, it's exciting for me, but it's also like, I mean, it's not like the seven-month-old baby's going to cook me breakfast, right? Well, who knows? <laughs> it's kind of like. No, but I, I can think of somebody who ought to be cooking you breakfast, Ramona. I know, true. Yeah, I although the only things Devin actually can make are things that I probably can't eat right now with all my stupid dietary restrictions. Well, look, Ramona, we all know the last time you farted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's in the story. All right, so all right, just explain explain how we got here and where we are. Man, <laughs> is that is that the right answer? Um, you know, okay, uh, there's this great Lionel Holland quote. It's like, uh, you got champagne taste on a beer budget. And I'm kind of starting to think that that's part of what this is, which is that the Lakers kind of had a choice in, do we want to win the press conference, right? Like, there was, like, been endless moments where they had an opportunity or opportunities in front of them to win the press conference. And for whatever reason... They want, they don't care about that. They think that this decision or the way they've gone about things will be better in the long run. And my, you know, here's what they tell me. Okay. Here's what their explanations are. I'm not saying I agree with them. I'm not saying they're right, but this is what they believe. Okay. It is as important for this next coach and really you should say coaching staff to be somebody that can help LeBron thrive as it is for this coaching staff to help the young kids thrive. In other words, I think that the analysis of last year is that this was way too much about LeBron and planet LeBron and not nearly enough about creating a great team around LeBron. And that's not just a personnel thing. It's a cultural thing. It's, it's, everything that the front office signaled in, in the way that they treated LeBron, right, at, from the jump, right? He uh, didn't have to do a press conference. Uh, the roster was built in a way that, you know, he he uh, approved of, agreed with, et cetera, this idea that he was going to be more of a finisher rather than play through LeBron. So I think they're, in their own way, they're trying to do the opposite of that. So okay, I'm not. I'm not saying this is right. No, but like, but in their my, own way, they think this is the opposite. Is of that. that though? Is that directed more as a criticism of Camp LeBron and what, the work that Luke Walton did, or is that actually a self-assessment of their own game planning and the way that they did their work in the front office? Because one one is a bad explanation, and one is actually a very healthy explanation. I actually think it's a bit of both. Okay. Okay. So one is. I, when I when I talk to people sort of in the middle of the year, at the end of the year, et cetera, one of the biggest takeaways they had was how detrimental the Anthony Davis trade talks were for the entire team. Um, and I think that they realize, and I, I think this is a really good point, um, and, and this is whether or not you agree with how they went about addressing it, obviously up for debates, right? But... The, the, the kids on the team were very valuable, right? The kids on the team were on their way up um, a year ago now, right? Yeah. And ever since then, you know, they have not felt important, right? They felt, like, important in the sense that they could be traded. Uh, whoever, you, whoever you are, you should just 
step up and get get with the program. And if not, you know, you should just this is the NBA. Tough tough luck, kid. Right? You know, if you get traded. And I think that they really want to go in the other direction on this and get those kids reinvested in the team with the belief that that will the rising tide will lift all boats. Right? That you know, LeBron is going to LeBron. LeBron is going to play hard, do whatever. He's going to be great because he's LeBron. And so you need to cater more to the rest of the team and roster and creating a team. Um, I don't know. I mean, from the outside, it kind of looks like, you know, Monty Williams could have done that. Ty Lue could have done that. And they didn't want to pay them. Right. I mean, it kind of seems like, you know, so, you know, this is a nice spin here that, you know, you can, you can put on it, but that that is what they believe. They believe that's what they believe they have done here. Well, with that in mind, Ramona, we're talking with Ramona yeah. Shelburne, covers all things NBA, and really all things, all, just things, all things for ESPN. She just covers mm-hmm. things. She just anything. She's got it covered. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're talking about the the reinvestment and the development of the young players and, and elevating yeah. their importance, and that's one of the narratives that has been attached to why Jason Kidd would be yeah. appealing to them. And there's also the narrative that he would have that respect of LeBron automatically because of the time they spent together Team USA and also just Kidd's career. With all that in mind, why do you think they didn't just hire Jason Kidd to be head coach? Um, I think that his issues with domestic violence are a major flag that the organization could Well, they really- couldn't be that major. Well, it's a pretty big flag, right? I mean, no, no, I but I mean, that, you're, no, you're, you're, you're paying him. You're on the staff. Right. They couldn't be that big of a flag. <laughs> it's different when you have, well, that's your head guy. It, this is. And um, I think they value what he brings to the table as a coach, as a former player, um, his relationships. He, you know, if you know Jason Kidd, he's a, you know, he's a really nice person to get along with, right? Like, he, he will immediately step into a role with players that will, be very helpful to the organization, right? Like, because he's so close to being a player, right? He's not that much older than when he, has, he just retired a few years ago, right? And so yeah. I think that his credibility with players is a major um, positive for them. And I think, you know, I, I actually could see him in a in, – in, I don't want to say he would have got the head job if he didn't have this, but I just don't think they were ever considering him for the head job because of the past issues, not just not just domestic violence, but also – his last two stops, you know, they, they didn't, they they weren't seen as great successes, right? But you, if you look at where Brooklyn is in the player development that you did there, if you look at Milwaukee, and I'm not just talking about Giannis, so that's like Chris Middleton and Malcolm sure. Brogdon and all those guys, right? Like he has a pretty good track record with with that, and I think they see they see Brandon Ingram as like, hey, turn him into some version of Giannis. Now, I don't think that's in the, you know, what do you want to say? Giannis Light, Giannis, whatever. Turn him to Chris Middleton, yeah. that would be a plus. Yeah, right? I mean, you know, just like if you look at Brandon, he, he has the comp to Durant, he has the comp to, uh, to Giannis just because of his, his physique, right? Um, I don't know, and intangible, but but you could you could make a reasonable, look, you know, approximation, right? Um, I think you look at Lonzo and it's like, that's always been a comparison for Lonzo is, is Jason Kidd. Um, he has a great relationship with LeBron from from many different spots. I think he's stayed in touch over the years. So I think he's in that role. And if he didn't have so many glaring negatives, right, they they may have considered him for the head job. But I think he was always kind of seen as a guy who um, was going to would would only be like on the staff. And then Vogel, you know, he's he's been there in the East Conference Finals. 
Um, it's just, you know, I guys, you know what I thought when I heard this and just the way this unfolded? Okay, just bear with me. Cause this is what you get when you have to Please. be excited at your show, okay? But, uh, you know, the, you know, you guys watch Sex in the City? Yeah. Okay, so you know how, like, Charlotte dates this one guy, Trey, and it's like she wants him to commit and he's just not ready to, but, like, sometimes then it's like, you have, like, all these girlfriends, and they kind of get you ready, and then, like, the next girl they meet is the one they marry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not so, like, you know, you broke a man, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, girl, I mean, it just kind of feels... A starter home. Yeah, like, it just feels like no matter what, like, whoever they got excited about next after Monty and Ty negotiations went awry, like, that was going to be the guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, you know, I think there was a... A fiddle for Vogel. He certainly knows what he's doing. He's been an experienced head coach. He's been to the Eastern Conference Finals. And, uh, you know, that, that's somebody and, that you know is going to get in there and do a, a good job. And as so, a former former Laker scout, he knows what it is to be a Laker. Um, sure. and that's, that's important. All right, last thing for you, Ramona. Yeah. The, we, we've heard, yeah. we've spent all week talking about the uh, the role of the Rambi, uh, Linda and yeah, uh, Kurt. The interesting thing about this is the reporting uh, of the influence of Phil Jackson here as a mm-hmm. as a voice in the room. What's going on with that? Yeah, I think it's pretty. I think it's accurate. Um, I you know I don't think he's in the interviews, right? Like he's not sitting down with the candidates, but he's not showing up. Wise for that. old man, um, <laughs> right. as a wise old man that people talk to and listen to, I certainly think he has influence. And you know, if you look at where they ended up, it's, this does mirror the Knicks coaching search from a couple of years ago, right? Where they Good. ended up with Jeff Hornacek. <laughs> I mean, it does. I'm excited about that. I don't. I'm not trying to tell you. I'm just saying it does look that way. Um, and when you talk about, I mean, you can see a lot of things, right? Like, you know, what what was one of the things that. It, you know, they learned from the Knicks, both Kurt Rambis and Phil. Is, is they, <laughs> Did they learn anything? Oh. Well, maybe. We'll see, right? The destructive nature that oversized superstardom can have on your team. I mean, in New York, it would have been mellow. Um, they had, he had a no-trade clause. LeBron doesn't. Um, but, you know, that was a destructive force for them in New York. And one of the things that I think if you were learning from your past mistakes, you would try to correct. Um, I, I certainly see that influence on on where we are now with the Lakers and how they've they've tried to correct what went wrong last year. All right, okay, the Knicks. Here we go. <laughs> Thanks, Ramona. Appreciate it. I wasn't calling to cheer you up. No, that's, that was in, mission accomplished, good Momo. Thing too. Good job. All right, yeah. make sure Nevin's ready to go for tomorrow. Yeah, happy Mother's Day, Momo. The rest of tonight's shot. <laughs> Enjoy all those game I mean, sevens. Reference, you know, go home and watch a marathon of that. No, I, I got it. Uh, my wife is really into Sex and the City, so I've seen yeah. more of it through osmosis. I, I didn't yeah. quite remember which boyfriend you were talking about, but I did remember the plot line. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, probably a, a fair yeah. amount of that. Yeah. Trey. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Ramona. Yeah. Happy Mother's Day. Bye, boys.